Hello everyone, welcome to the Liverpool Echo Everton podcast. This week there's me, Tony Scott and Gav as usual and we've drafted in a star signing. <laughs> Not quite a deadline day swoop but nonetheless. Bargain bookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Bosman. Big yellow sticker on him. Reduced. It's Dave Prentice, the Echo's deputy sports editor and we're going to be talking to start by talking about Martinez's comments this morning in a press conference when he hinted that he feels his squad is too big and I don't know whether or not that implies that he won't be doing much uh, before the end of the window or not, but do we think he should be, or do we think he's about right, so? Um I can see where Roberto's coming from, to the extent that it is it is too big in the likes of, in my opinion, there's a lot of Deadwood there at Everton. You've got your Tony Ibbett of the world, Brian Oviezo's, Leon Osmond's, Darren Gibson's, Aidan McGeady, all these are taking good wage off Everton, and they're not contributing. Well, Oviedo's you know, sort of played out of position the last couple of games, so I don't think he's quite in the depth. You're never gonna, you're, yeah, but you're never going to get 10 games out of him. Imagine he went off on a stretch at Exactly. So you're <laughs> never going to get 10 games out of Oviedo during the season, so I can see where he's coming from to that extent. But alarmingly, when he said that comment, I thought straight away, First of all, he went for Sam Bryan. We need a right-back, definitely, because if Seamus Coleman gets injured, this is where we're having to adjust John Stones and he's having to go there and Brian O'Beeza. So that's a conundrum itself. And alarmingly for me, we desperately need a striker. Heaven forbid, forbid we're quite lucky that Romelu Lukaku stays injury-free. But if anything was to happen to him, we're, we're done for. We need a centre-forward backup desperately for um, Romelu Lukaku, in my opinion. It's an interesting, yeah, I wouldn't say, uh, I think it correct, I wouldn't say Oviedo's dead, but I wouldn't say Ozzy's dead, but either, to be honest with you, I think Ozzy's still got something to uh, contribute between now and the end of the season, that's his own so far, uh, and I, I do agree, for me, our biggest problem, and you know, this is something I've harped on throughout the season, is I don't think we've got enough cover to centre-half, and I haven't had all season, and that's caused us problems when we wanted to move people Since into right left, back, really, yeah. Yeah. we got rid of two centre-halves in the summer and only brought, you know, one in really, yeah. And that's left us short of one. And it's also caused a problem, as you say, if we need to move John Stones to the to the right when one of the centre-halves is injured, it doesn't give us that option. So that's the big uh, concern for me. I would also agree with Tony that about, about the striking situation. I think we uh, he's a single point of failure in business terms, isn't he, uh, Rob? And the manager was talking this morning and how, how, how much he's improved over the last 13 months. Yeah. And for him to either be injured or maybe drop down, a couple of uh, couple of pegs in terms of his form, I think that's uh, that, that's a that's a worry for us. Yeah, I mean, I think the squad is, is top heavy in some areas and severely understrength in others. So you know, I accept the, the suggestion that the squad is too big, uh, but only in certain areas, like notably across midfield and notably in the, in the wide positions where we have an absolute surface of uh, of wingers that you know, as Tony says, so aren't contributing at all. But I wouldn't be too concerned because uh, Roberto often. Changes his mind, shall we say, um, after he's uh, said something in a press conference. I mean, I still remember not that long ago him saying on the Saturday comprehensively that Samuel Eto was not on his radar and he signed 48 hours later. <laughs> so, you know, quite possibly there are things going on behind the scenes and he has got something up his sleeve and maybe we will see a face or two because I, I share all of your opinions on uh, the, the lack of backup up front, especially now that Stephen Naismith has gone, you know, who was, you know, Okay, not absolutely top class, but a very, very reliable finisher. Someone you can absolutely depend on whenever, yeah. he, whenever he came in. Uh, he's left the club now. And so if anything should happen to Romelu Lukaku, and let's face it, you know, he did get injured in the first City game and missed uh, the cup tie against Dagenham. That leaves either Aruna Kone, Kevin Morales, or, you know, A.N. other to, you know, sort of yeah. step up up front. And uh, that, that's not enough for a club that, you know, claims to still be challenging for the top four places, which Roberto says Everton are. So, yeah, I think... Uh, 
definite backup is required. Um, whether he's planning to do that, I'm not so sure, but I wouldn't rule it out completely. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Tell Pennell's on the uh, the podcast. Surface, you don't hear that word when we're doing it, do you? Know? It's just the teacups <laughs> clacking. <laughs> I think I think it's interesting what you said, Gav. Though just touching on that again, it doesn't even take an injury to wrong because what we've been obviously he stayed fit, which is great, but he's also stayed bang on form. Yeah, exactly. We only need a dip in form. Yeah, for a young player, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. You know, I'm not trying to will it on. Mm. God forbid, he's been sensational, but. If he has two or three in different games, then yeah. again you see the lack of options. Yeah, be... there's the lack of options, and you need you need that competition for places, don't you? And and I think you know there's two sides to this coin, isn't it? Uh, there's the side that we are short in in certain places and we need reinforcements, but then there's the other side of the coin is actually where do you get them reinforcements well, from, yeah. Yeah. and can you get them at the mm. the, the right price? And that that's that's the uh, yeah. that's that's the problem. I mean, the points made in the po- past about strikers is that if you're only playing one up front and you're bringing another striker in you're basically saying Evan at the moment saying well Rom's in as you say bang on form you're coming in but actually you're going to be on the bench uh, for the mm. foreseeable future or coming on as a, as a sub yeah. if we're chasing the game so it's how you'd attack players and do you think that, that was the possibility with the Sam Ryan situation he didn't see a first team place for him that's why he's went to West Ham no absolutely yeah, I think as, as Martinez has said this morning he's been very upfront about it he agreed terms with him and I think he was just, he was probably too honest, well, not too honest, but he was, he was very upfront with, with the player and said to him, you're not going to be guaranteed first-team football, which he isn't. You know, Seamus Coleman is rightly on, on one right back, you know, experienced international. And I think Sam Byram should be honest with himself and say, should he really be, I mean, you want, you want the lad to back himself, but should he be walking into the team ahead of a fit Coleman? Well, no. And then if he really backs himself, then maybe he might have thought, well, I'll go anyway. And I'll try and you know get in the team ahead of him on merit, and it seems to me like he's taken an easier option, perhaps by going to West Ham, albeit a club who are above us in the table and doing better. But still, he's guaranteed his game, so he's been told, we believe, by Slaven Bilic. So I think Martinez was just very honest. Fair enough. It'd be interesting to get your take on this. No, from a footballer looking at Everton and West Ham. Would you see for a player who's got no allegiance to any club, would West Ham be an attractive, more of an attractive opposition now than Everton? I don't think so. Well, you know, clearly we're speaking from a biased, you know, sort yeah. of slant here. But okay, they've got the new stadium looming in the near future, yeah. and you know they've got the the glitter and the glitz of London, if you like. Uh, but for me, you look at Everton, who've like, consistently been, you know, challenging for European places over the last, you know, sort of decade, fifteen years or so now. Um, in a cup semi-final this year, you know, there or thereabouts, but also have this incredible track record for giving kids the opportunities, yeah. and it's up to the kids then whether they take it. I mean, John Stone's a prime case in point, Brendan Galloway has done so well. You know, whenever promising youngsters have done enough in training, Roberto Martinez especially has never been shy in putting them in. And I think it probably underlines a little bit about uh, Sam Byron's character. It's quite interesting this morning, listening to Roberto try to turn the tables a wee bit <laughs> and say that... Um, it wasn't, you know, so, so much Sam Byron turning his back on us. You know, he wasn't the right player for us after all. <laughs> Obviously, he would say that in hindsight. But I think he wants players in the youngsters that are supremely ambitious, that will see yeah. Seamus Cullen there yeah. and just see that as a challenge to be dislodged rather than an absolute barrier to, you know, sort yeah. of a first-team place. 
maybe Slavon Bilic is being cute. And he said, yeah, you know, you're going to go straight into our first team here. But I always remember when Brendan Galloway uh, signed and he said that, uh, you know, he was, numerous clubs were speaking to him. And he goes, Roberto Martinez turned up and knew him inside out, knew everything about his background, about his game. And he was just so impressed by Martinez's knowledge and, you know, the opportunity that you threw him there that he had no hesitation in signing for Everton. So I think maybe um, Sam Byron wasn't right for Everton equally, you know, so yeah. Everton weren't right for him. Well, what do you think Roberto meant by not right for Everton? Did, did, I, I, he's I mean, a bit of a sh- canny kind of yeah. deflection and PR uh, moment. Because yeah. he's, I mean, he was right for Everton last week yeah. when, when they agreed terms with him. He's not going to admit yeah. defeat in I a think transfer, is I think it's at what Dave's hinting at. Yeah. He's oh, a manager score, oh, so he's yeah. trying to have a little yeah. pull yeah. Didn't want to pull yeah. it anyway. Exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. Yeah. Or, could, or could it mean you've had the chat with him, and, but because he wasn't prepared to work his way into the team the, and wants to go into the team straight away, that, I didn't like that particular side. This is only just, no, you know, could be. just my opinion. You know, That could be an element of that, that actually... Um, you know, he wasn't prepared to, to, to sort of learn his trade yeah. for 12 months and therefore I don't want to play who, who, who's like that. Could mean that, as you say, could be because of the being scorned. But it is interesting. This this is the problem, isn't it, going forward? Um, that you've got that sort of like, because London is such a wealthy place and sort of clubs are moving to, to bigger stadiums, aren't they? So about Crystal Palace, you know, and, and West Ham, maybe even QPR. There's like another competition. Comp- area of competition for us for buying players now, mm-hmm. isn't it? Uh, that perhaps wasn't it, it, it five you or ten mean, years ago. You mean not just your, obviously your Arsenal and Chelsea, yeah, but your Palace yeah, and yeah, your West Ham. Yeah, who have yeah, yeah, traditionally been maybe yeah. the lower le- yeah. a level below us. Even your Southamptons. Yeah, wow. yeah, that are now in the same competition and with the pre- as us and with the Premier League getting ever more wealthy, we're going to find it, like all clubs, a lot more difficult to bring players in than in the past because there's so many clubs who can afford to buy the players that we're yeah. sort of looking at in terms of the market. Do you think, so just a quick one, just playing devil's advocate on, you know, for the sake of fairness, if you if I was Byram's agent, I might look at the situation with Luke Garbutt and say, there's a lad there who, when he was in the team, looked really good, England under 21, left back, he's had to send him out on loan. And he's not at any point looking like he's going to get his game in the short term. Leighton Baines is just beginning to click to the sort of form that we all knew and loved him for. He's only 31 just. I think he's got Touchwood two or three years ahead of him. I don't really know where look things can change mm. over the course of a couple of weeks in football. We know that. But Garbutt's path to the first team suddenly seems a little bit, mm, for me. And he signed a new contract. So I wonder if they've said, Byron's similar age, isn't he? You know, Baines and Coleman are the two kind of mainstays in many ways of Everton's team. I just wonder if he's looked at the full-backs at West Ham and just thought, yeah, I'll, I'll get I can break in there. Yeah. So when you think about our left-backs as well, you've got there's a couple of players that can play there. Funes Molly can play there. Can't yeah. Yeah, Matty Folds as well, he's, he's coming to the face. He'll be coming through, <clears throat> certainly not this season, but I would imagine next season he'll have an option. And Mason Holgate is a left-footed left centre-back. Yeah. So he's obviously seen that and he's thought, you know, well, I can go and get my game at West Ham. It was interesting, obviously you guys know much than me. No, back in the day, that transfer between Everton and the player would have been signed. Listen, he's signing this contract, you don't know. It's interesting the way times have changed now, where everyone knew that we were in for Sam Byram. And then it's literally, it's lingered on, lingered on, West Ham come in there and they got the player. Years ago, that wouldn't have happened, was it, Dave? Well, no, but it's a completely different world now. You know, it, it, you hear about transfers immediately because agents want you to hear about transfers. Mm. They want to see who else is out there. You know, they're not shy. 
in publicizing it. You know, social media means it's virtually impossible to keep these things secret. In the old days, Harry Catrick sitting in a motorway service station, sitting down with Alan Ball and his dad. You know, that, that wouldn't happen anymore because somebody snapped them on the camera phone and they'd be all over the air, all over Twitter and Instagram within, you know, so two or three minutes. So, no, it is very, very different and it is a, a more public, you know, arena nowadays. And you just have to accept it. You have to try and, you know, put on the table what you can offer youngsters nowadays, which is in Everton's case is, you know, first team football as soon as they are, they are ready and hopefully a team is challenging for trophies and for European football. And I hope that's enough. Talking about the stadiums before as well, you know, London being an altogether, you know, more attractive proposition now because of the new stadium. I don't think we should dismiss quite how appealing, you know, a stadium like Goodison Park is. You hear more and more now, uh, you know, certainly in newspapers, how much people love going to Goodison Park because it's a traditional football stadium and, you know, they're in a bit of a dying breed nowadays. I mean, that will, you know, fingers crossed, change in the not too distant future with Everson, you know, fingers crossed, getting some, something yeah. somewhere. Yeah. But, you know, at the yeah. moment, Goodison Park, you know, is a character-filled arena that people love. Yeah, know, so I mean, you could, you could extend that further there, I said, about the club as a whole. Can't yeah. you really, about the way X plays, talk about the club, the way, you know, people see Bill Kenwright from the outside um, you know it's none of this foreign stuff I know that obviously may change and it's the whole aura around the club that I think is attractive if he'd really thought it through so I think we have got a lot going for us it's just that in the, you know in years to come I think the market will change again that will not necessarily be in our favour and I think we just need to you know that this San Barnum situation is going to happen more and more mm. in the future and even to clubs who are so-called bigger than us as well, it's going to happen to them. So, you know, it's going to be really difficult in the next few years bringing, bringing players in, I think. The exceptions to the rule, just to throw it in, completely kind of caught me by surprise, no doubt a few others. Charlie Aston Southampton, didn't hardly, yeah. didn't hardly hear about it, and all of a sudden he was there and he'd signed. So, very much the exception to the rule these days, but nonetheless, the player linked with Everton. So, I mean, what, when they, if they, rather... Do look to replace Naismith in this window. Don't forget, there's eight and a half million pounds come in there, and they've got a salary off the week. What sort of player do they, should they be looking at? So, you know, should they be looking at an actual another centre forward? Or... There's one out there right now which has been linked to us many times in the past, linked across the park. Shane Long, big Shane yeah. Long, who is you know people like you know raise their eyebrows and oh god, Shane Long, he's ordinary. Yeah. He's not. He's he's a very similar style to Stephen Naismith in that he's in your face for mm. 90 minutes. Yeah. He never stops running. He's decent in the air, he's a reliable finisher, he's not top class. But you don't want absolute top class for that kind of money and for somebody that's going to be effectively you know, second choice to Romelu Lukaku anyway. Yeah. You want a reliable standard that can come in when Lukaku's either injured or out of form and you know, can maybe play you know, so if necessary alongside him. I think he could, I think that would be great business. It looks like he's surplus of requirements as well. My only, yeah, I agree with Prano. I'd, I'd actually have always said, Moyes, to me he was Moyes' perfect signing. And I remember when he was at Reading, Moyes was sniffing around and yeah. it didn't work out. But my only concern is, on some level, why should we be going for someone who's Southampton have deemed surplus through requirements? And I know it's not as simple as that, but in a way, I, I want to be signing players like your Austin to Southampton are desperate to get their hands on, not their cast-offs. But... Yeah, I mean, it can work in your favour. Nazem Art was somebody who was surplus to requirements at least, wasn't he? Looking yeah. at that, well, why are you doing that? You know, within, within a couple of months, he was the first choice goalkeeper. And was tremendous for us over a, a couple of year period, you know. I think Moyes has said on gone on record that was his best signing, yeah. you know, yeah. and he's he's a goalkeeper that perhaps, you know, has probably been, you know, since Southall's been our best best keeper. Um so you know, there's always a bit more than what, what you think. And I wouldn't think if somebody's surface to the crimes of club doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad player. You don't want those on behind the scenes as well, do you sometimes? Yeah. So 
I just think it's going to be really difficult. I mean, the other the other thing as well, I think Roberto said this morning as well, there won't be any sales of yeah, you know, some of the younger he players. He's hundred percent bullish about that. Well, actually, he corrected himself. He says no one will be leaving. Well, no one who's playing well and is important to our future will be leaving. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, thinking because he's already said that Aidan McGeady and Darren Gibson could be on the way yeah. loan-wise. He's actually yeah. said they're not going anywhere permanently. But yeah, I think he's he's sent the signs out there that John Stones, uh, Romelu Lukaku, Kevin Morales, none of them are for sale. And it's noticeable that the John Stones thing has gone very quiet now. Uh, you know, there's been no back-page stories about mm. Chelsea ready to bid this, Manchester City ready to bid that. It's almost like clubs have accepted that, you know, Epson aren't going to sell this January. I'm not suggesting for a second they won't be back in again this summer. Yeah. But, you know, for the short term, I think we're going to see the very, very big play sticking around, which is, you know, great news for the rest of the season. Well, he did, what I emphasised on, and he kept on saying during the press conference today, it was January. Yeah. No plays will be sold in January. He kept on mentioning that word, January, yeah. all the time to me, or this window. Yeah. Nothing was ever mentioned about the summer, which I think all Blues deep down know if we're not, if we're not winning a cup or getting into any kind of top four competitions, we know yeah. more or less the big clubs are going to be coming in for Stones, Barkley, Lukaku. I think we all accept that, but it, it wasn't quite interesting. He kept on saying January. Going back to the Stephen A. Smith one, yeah. do you think... Roberto Martinez in this window will spend eight and a half million, nine million on a player. I'd like to see him do that. I'd like to see a signing that kind of lifts the supporters, lifts the squad, keeps Rom on his toes, and adds some firepower. And they're not going to come unless we get an extraordinary. I mean, we've been good in the low market over the years. Don't forget Aaron Lennon when he came in. Give everyone a boost that last. Give everyone a lift. So if we can get someone like that, then tremendous. I don't know whether or not Southampton might be willing to send, uh, we'll pay Long's wages and loan yeah, out yeah. until the summer and then see what happens next. You hear players say it so many times, it gives the dressing room a lift, it yeah. just puts people on their toes, it brings a bit of freshness to the dressing room. And, uh, you know, Howard Kendall was an absolute master at it. it, used to buy often for the sake of it, just to try and give the squad a little bit of a lift, a little bit of, you know, a freshen up. And it worked every time. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see a, a new face, if just for that reason, yeah. but I'm not so sure. We don't know. We're keeping his cards very close to his chest. Yeah. No, I think the days when you'd see eight and a half million, well, I hope the days when you see eight and a half million come in and then a lot of that would vanish because it would actually go to service debt. I think we've sort of moved beyond those days because mm. I think the club, as was shown this week, is in much ruder health financially. We're still not in the sort of financial shape where we can go and, you know, gazump Liverpool for this to share it. Yeah. We're not even in that marketplace. Yeah. Forget about mm-hmm. that. But I don't think that eight and a half million goes missing now. I think that's in the kitty, so mm, to speak. Yeah. Call me naive, but I think that's there to be spent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the longest and longest shots, but until that, <laughs> until that window shuts, yeah. I'm not giving up on it. I, I Big arms. <laughs> the income will increase even substantially again, won't it, next yeah. year? So I think, as you say, I, I just, I, it, it is a good point. There was an interesting stat uh, this week about uh, you know where Chelsea are in the league, and apparently the best performance for the team in Chelsea's position in Premier League history, were uh, moving up the table was us in 2012, where we were 14, 15th at Christmas, and uh, we then bought Jalovic, we got PNR, mm-hmm. Gibson in yeah, in, in yeah. the January, and that gave everybody a lift. And we ended up finishing seventh, and we had like yeah. sort of Champions League form after Christmas. So it just shows you the. You know, yeah. you know, even if you're doing well, you can really improve. And that's when you should be looking to improve, isn't it? Shrewd, shrewd, when you're doing well. in January, you know. So, but so, what have you got? Nine days? Was it nine days left? Is it ten days yeah, it left? Shuts, you know? I think, midnight, February the first, because the thirty-first is a Sunday. Yeah. So it's so. the time. You know, the reliance on other deals going forward. So I'm not sure whether 
I don't think we should spend 8.5 million just for the sake of it. To be honest, no, it's we got to be, it's got to be the right that, player. It's we? got to be the right player. It's whether the right player comes up. And there's that. So often these are, you've got to have three or four deals to happen simultaneously for you to get your one player. Well, with Everton, let's be honest, the chances of us all being on the Costas on that Monday night, because it's going to happen like 10 to 12, isn't it? Yeah. It always does. Yeah. It's just yeah. the nature of the way Everton tend to do the deals because you can get real value then at the yeah. last minute. Talking about league positions there, Gav, Everton can go some way to eight this weekend or they can drop Is that to, right? or, or drop yeah. to thirteenth. It, it can it's so it depends so on the side there. Yeah. It's it's a massive week for Everton, isn't it, Greg? Massive. Sunday's huge. I mean it's I think Mo Bess was that Mo at Finch Farm in the week when Mo Bessett was being interviewed by the Sunday newspapers ahead of this weekend. And they were talking about this game and he sort of in, instantly said this is all we're thinking about. Man City, as huge a game it is. And it wasn't a cliche. He wasn't trotting out media training. He was deadly serious. It's a huge game for Everton because, with you know, respect to Swansea, well, not with respect to Swansea, mm. the crap. Mm. They're turning <laughs> up. And they are. And, you know, yeah. we should be steamrolling them. New manager syndrome. How many coaches? Yeah, and the managers. <laughs> yeah. you know, it, they're a bit of a mess at the moment. Yeah. Now, this is all famous last words when they come yeah. to do a number on us. But we should be flying at them. I'm going to convince it. Should be. I can see Prado's like, <laughs> No, no, just, it's, to me, it's a big game, but it, the huge game is Wednesday. I mean, uh, oh no, you know, it, they don't bear any. Yeah, there's no, yeah, no comparison. Swansea's all right, but, but yeah. no, but the league. I'm thinking about the league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I if we don't beat the likes of Swansea, good. I know, but I know, but that puts a lot of pressure, doesn't it? On then getting to the final and winning. Do you think deep down the players will be going on the pitch on Sunday afternoon and everything, and yes, got to get Swansea out the way? Do you think? Deep down the back of their mind, they'll be thinking about Wednesday's game against Manchester City. 100%. I mean, I, I totally take on board what Greg said about Mo Besic being focused, but I think there'll be a few there that will definitely have it in the back of their head. You know, say Emerson are, you know, fingers crossed, coasting to a 2-0 win, there's a quarter of an hour left. Are you going to still see them bombing down the touchline? Chasing Under a bit of Martinez, quite right with you, yeah. Or, or are yeah. they thinking, well, let's just, you know, so make sure we get through without an injury to Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, because to me, you know, if you can get to a cup final and stand on the brink of winning a trophy Everton have never won. And let's just say for argument's sake that, you know, it's uh, our neighbours from across the park that you meet in the final. Imagine if Roberto could become the first manager to do what no other manager has done, mm-hmm. beating Liverpool in a cup final, bringing the League Cup to her back to Goodison Park. You wouldn't yeah. have to buy a bevy in town for <laughs> the rest of his life. You know, but, it would just transform his Everton. Yeah, career. it would. But I can see what Greg's saying because I think with the fallout from Chelsea, yeah. in particular last Saturday, yeah. I think people will be looking to somebody yeah. to say, like, they're not, I wouldn't say bad feelings is the right word, but some of the negative stuff that's been written mm. and spoken about, about about the players and the managers since yeah. since last week, that, that you need to go good performance to, to eradicate all, all that negative yeah. vibe stuff. And I, that's why I, agree. I was thinking on the way up that, that it is a... It is a okay, fair, massive is an over... Not, yeah. it is a, it's a far more significant game than what it seems, seems on paper yeah. to me. Uh, and it's purely to do with the fallout from last year. Uh, last well, I think he, he got a good performance at Stamford Bridge. It was just let down by lapses of concentration yeah. again. You know, it's 85% of that performance, 95% of that performance was very, very good. It was just the stupid little lapses in concentration yeah. and, you know, the abysmal officiating, which, which cost them in the day. <laughs> so, you know, I think in typical Roberto speak, he'll have accentuated all the positives. He'll have you know, told the players what they were doing right and all the stuff about game management and stuff. You know, maybe won't have been as to the forefront as it should have been. Uh, but I don't think it was that bad a performance. And I think um, if they can replicate that against Swansea, Swansea aren't a patch on like what Chelsea are, even a poor Chelsea side at the mm-hmm. moment. So you know, yeah. it should be a, 
a comfortable victory to take on to Wednesday. Yeah. Do you reckon he'll rest Gareth Barry? Ian Doyle wrote, wrote um, an interesting column just saying the amount of football he's played recently and been so pivotal to the team. Yeah, clocking on thirty-five. Do you think he make a few changes? Did he say this morning he wasn't going to rest any players? Did I did I hear that or did, did, did he ask about that or was that just? I, did, I didn't hear that. that. I mean, yeah. it is only three days after that before yeah. he plays City and Gareth Barry is so you know integral to everything else. And, and not only that, he plays ninety minutes, doesn't he? Virtually most games. Yeah. I can't think of many many times. James McCarthy is available, but he's only yeah. played at one training session, so it would be a big risk yeah. throwing him straight but, back. But in. is this a game where do you need to hold midfielders in front of the? Back four against Swansea at home because you get away with with just playing some Cleverly fit as well. Best is fit, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that there's a case for that. Um, but Tom Cleverly's back, by the way. I do. I'm a fan of someone who can take a corner. Yeah. <laughs> His corners are tremendous. Don't you think you look far better defensively when Cleverly plays? As well? I do. Yeah. I think that yeah. that's a key key thing. But like Kevin Morales played really well, didn't he, on Saturday? Uh, so that's where I suppose where the big squad. Going back to this, the point is actually true, but it's a positive thing that we have got competi- competition mm. of good players for the same same place without necessarily having players who, who you could say are surplus to requirements. You're going to Wednesday, Greg. Do you think it matters that Everton are playing on the Sunday, Manchester City are playing well, Saturday? Yeah, I think, it does, I think it does matter a bit, though, because I think in this era of, it sound like a manager, but these fine margins, that extra bit of rest and recovery that City will have over us, as negligible as it might look in some way, when you can break it down to the, the sprints and the one-on-one battles and, and as I say, those margins of error, ideally, I prefer if we were playing the Saturday early kick-off mm. or you know, at least the same time yeah, as City. Yeah. Where, where are City on Saturday? In West Ham away. Yeah. Oh, so Not it's an easy game. There's a travel. It's a travel. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe, maybe a night game, I think, as well. Maybe it balances itself out if you factor in. Yeah. I mean, City are probably, I don't know, Flying on, you know, yeah. every player in his own jet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just as wise, I think there, it's a bit of a bit annoying for me at the moment. Is um, you know, they made that allowance at Christmas, didn't they? Because teams that played late on Boxing Day or the day after, didn't they play get later in, yeah. on, at the weekend? Did, yeah. And also, as well, I think Tony Pulis made the point, I, I made the point on Twitter, mm. is like last week. All the teams played, you either played home two games or away two games, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, so like the. We, I thought we were disadvantaged like all the other 10 teams by having to have two away games in the space of four days while other clubs had two home games. Now, yeah. People say that balances out over the season, but I don't think that's necessarily yeah. the case. And it was noticeable at the weekend. There only one team went away from home, I think. It's whether yeah. or not you feel playing away is that much of a disadvantage for us this season. Well, I mean, in contrast Howard, to playing at Goodison. Howard never used to like playing two home games in the week, did he? That was one of his things. Well, the, the stats this season have been strange. I mean, there yeah. have been so many more away wins this yeah. season than in previous campaigns. Whether that's just uh, because so many teams are counter attacking and yeah. gagging, pressing, and all this kind of nonsense, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, it is significant. But it's all over the place at the moment. The inconsistencies and the way the fixes are set out, and yeah. I think that was a classic example. Okay, away from home. You, as Prano says there, you might have advanced, but two tough, well, we had two tough away games, with two away games in four days for 11 clubs. I just thought there was something mm. seemed unfair that. Um, and again, there's, you know, Wednesday does, I, I, I agree with Greg, there is those fine margins. You just hope it doesn't. Yeah. You know, we've got, and then we, we play the su- Sunday then, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so it's a big two weeks for us, isn't it? Because then we've got two league games after the, uh, the cup match. The cup match, yeah. Yeah, against Newcastle and the Stoke. So Greg, going to nail to a prediction. Sunday, Swansea. Swansea City prediction. Um, yeah, we should beat them, and I, I think we will. I think, like Prano said, 85% of the performance against a bit of a rejuvenate, rejuvenated Chelsea 
was tremendous. We got ourselves into a winning position very well. Some lovely football. And I don't see why we shouldn't uh, carry on at those levels. Players may be playing for a place on Wednesday. Always adds a little bit of an extra couple of percent if, they want, if they're not sure if they're going to be in the team or not. Playing for the place. So, finish coming around the houses and I'll say Everton are going to win 3-1 because they'll concede, obviously. Yeah. But they're going to win 3-1. There's not going to be no need for any heart attacks in the last couple of minutes as they have. Surely you should be comfortable with this. Uh, I wouldn't guarantee that. Um, I mean, I think Tano's point before was fair. Is that maybe there will be a few players thinking of of Wednesday, but I still think we've got enough in our locker. But it's first manager syndrome, the first, the first game for the manager syndrome, isn't it? You know, mm. for Swansea, I was paranoid that always seems to happen to us because yeah. it was Pochettino's first game. Feels like it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Now was the same, but I go with three 0 for Everton. Ronald prediction. I'm going to be controversial, like Gav there, and say also a clean sheet for Everton. Um, yeah. no, I think two 0 I think you know, comfortable. Hopefully, get you know ahead with 20 minutes to go, and then you know, just mix things up a little bit and see the game out. Be cynical in the last 15 minutes and spoil it for a quarter of an hour, and just win the game comfortably. I'd love to see that. That'd be nice. Yeah. So I'll go for two one Everton. I think they'll two one. Well, yeah, you don't do things easy, do they? <laughs> so yeah, I think it'll just be a lang on two one victory, and then. As I said, it all depends. If say for argument's sake, City get a, a bad result down at Upton Park and we beat Swansea, then it settles up for a, a good game on Wednesday, doesn't it? Uh, an extra prediction, I'm going to predict that that cheese board at Goodison Park <laughs> is going to take an absolute battering from Tony Scott because he is one hungry so-and-so. <laughs> right, thanks very much for listening and fingers crossed we'll be there early next week. Uh, if not, before the City game, talking about a Swansea win and why we're going to go flying to the Etihad. Thanks very much.